the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. I'm Kyle Welch. We are here every weeknight at this time on KKLA to lift up the name of Jesus Christ so that the entire world might believe. Sharing the gospel is our number one goal and the reason we are here. Dudley Rutherford is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church, located right here in Los Angeles. During these days of uncertainty, we believe this is the perfect time to turn off what the world wants to tell us and immerse ourselves in what God has to say to us through the Holy Bible. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message for us tonight. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 16. I want to speak to you about the Cathedral of Cologne. Uh, Last fall, there were some friends of ours who invited us to go on a river cruise over in Europe. We got on this boat and we cruised down the Rhine River up. We started in the Netherlands. We went through Germany. We went through France and it ended up in Switzerland. And this is a map of the city of Cologne. And you can see that the Rhine River comes right through that city. And right up against the Rhine River in the heart of of the city center is this beautiful cathedral called the Cathedral of Cologne. It is the tallest twin-spired church in the world. It's also the third tallest church in the entire world. This building uh, began being constructed in the 1200s, and it took six hundred years. Think about how many people lived over the course of that. It took 600 years to build and uh, is still uh, standing today. Inside this church is this gold box. And this box supposedly contains the bones of the wise men that you read about in the gospels. Now, the story goes that They didn't build the church and then took the box of bones inside the church. The story is back in the 1200s, they acquired these bones of the wise men and they wanted to build something that would house this box. And so the church was built in honor of the bones of the wise men. Now you can decide for yourself whether or not those are actually the bones of the wise men. I, I know what I think, but you can make up your own mind. Uh, for yourself. Now, the church is, is made out of a, it's called sandstone. And uh, sandstone, because of the sulfuric acid that's in rain, just naturally it's in rain, this, it turns that sandstone dark. And uh, if you started to clean it, uh, by the time you finish cleaning the entire building, it would look just as it does now. So that they really don't spend much time cleaning it. But at nighttime, if you're ever there, if you look across the Rhine River, they've got this beautiful bridge. And I'm going to talk more about this bridge. 
but it is just a, an absolute beautiful and magnificent structure. Now, what I want to do is I want to take you back to Cologne, Germany during World War II, the year 1945. Uh, Cologne, Germany was the largest city that United States captured during World War II. It was obviously a, a German city, and uh, we knew and the Germans knew that if we captured Cologne, that we could cross the Rhine River and it would be a beachhead for us to capture all of Germany. So the Germans were determined not to let this city fall. And the Germans, if you study the story, they actually blew up themselves that bridge over the Rhine River. And the reason they blew that bridge up was not so it would keep the Americans from crossing over into Germany. They actually blew up that bridge to keep their soldiers from retreating. They wanted the German soldiers to defend that city at all cost. Now, as we eventually took control of the city, we were able to embed some photographers and some of the best photographs that were ever taken in World War II were pictures that were taken in Cologne, Germany. The final skirmish took place right in front of that church. It came down, again, right in front of the church, it came down to a battle between two tanks, two tanks dueling it out. There was an American Pershing tank with Clarence Smore, who was in charge of that tank. He was, the, he was the gunner. And there was a German Panther tank. So that whole capturing of that city came down to the final battle between an American tank and a German tank. And uh, if you ever go, and the whole thing is captured not just with photographs, it was actually videotaped back in those days. And if you get on Amazon.com and you just type in or search the duel at the cathedral, the duel at the cathedral, there's a DVD there that you can actually buy for like $15, and you can watch that city being captured by the Americans and even that final battle between those two tanks. There's an, there's an author by the name of Adam Makos who has written many books on history, and he wrote this book called Spearhead, which is a thrilling, accurate account of this final battle that took place between this American uh, tank and this German tank. And there are photographs in there. You can go to the website and look at some of the videos. I want to tell you, I loved reading this book, and you should read it. Uh, just You'll be impressed by, uh, by the men and women who served in our country if you read this book. When the Americans and the Allies decided to capture Cologne, the very first thing we did is we bombed the daylights out of Cologne with the largest air attack up to that point. We literally dropped tens of thousands of bombs fell on Cologne, Germany, and we completely leveled the city. However, what you need to know, and it's obvious, that church that was built in the 1200s and took 600 years to build, it was finished in the 1800s, we destroyed the city, but somehow that church remained standing. Many people believe that Hitler had worked out a deal with Churchill 
that if we didn't bomb the Cathedral of Cologne when we were bombing it, that he, Hitler, would not bomb the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris, France. Now, we don't know if that's true or not, but we do know that somehow, in spite of the hundreds of thousands of bombs that were leveled on Cologne, that somehow that church remained standing. And today, uh, it remains one of the top tourist attractions in all of Germany. And there was one passage of Scripture that just obviously I've started to think about. And it's, it's, it's a passage that doesn't talk about the power of a physical church building, but it's a verse that talks about the powerful force of a spiritual building called the church. I want to read these words to you found in Matthew chapter 16, our text today, that says that when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Verse 14, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus said, well, what about you, the disciples? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter in verse 16 answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said in verse 17, the Bible says, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And verse 18 reads, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The greatest organization and the greatest organism on the face of this entire planet is the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's absolutely foolish to talk about loving Jesus and not love the things that Jesus loved. And Jesus loved the church. There are several things that every person needs to know about the church. I want you to write these down if you're taking notes. Number one is what we call the confession. Everybody say the word confession. The confession of the church. Jesus asked Peter, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter made that great confession there in verse 16. He answered, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's Peter's confession of faith. There's a big discussion in the COVID-19 circles today about what is essential and what is non-essential. And the most essential thing for all people is to confess that Jesus is Christ, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Son of the living God. And that confession is the key to you entering the kingdom of God. That confession is key to you acquiring eternal life. That confession of your faith is the key to the forgiveness of your sins. That confession is the key to you receiving your eternal inheritance. I want to take you to a passage of Scripture in the book of Romans chapter 10 The Bible says that if, and that's the biggest word in the Bible, that if you confess, we're talking about the confession of the church, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means that he's 
uh, supreme, that he is ruler, that he is over all, that he is Lord of all. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? You'll be saved. And verse 10 says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, but it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. That's Romans chapter 10. I want to show you uh, Matthew chapter 10. Jesus said these words, whoever acknowledges me, in other words, you make this confession. If you ever acknowledges me before men, Jesus said, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. And then he said in verse 33, but whoever disowns me before men, he says, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. You and I must be willing to make that confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, just like Peter did. But I want you to write this down in your notes, if you will. It's not just a matter of saying those words. You have to have the conviction in your heart. You have to be convinced. I want you to write those two words down. It's not just saying the words. It's not just giving lip service. You just can't say the words, Jesus is Lord, and be saved. You have to be convinced. You have to have conviction that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of the living God It's not enough just to say the words. You have to believe that Jesus is supreme, that he's Lord, that he's master, that he is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, in our culture today, to believe in one God and one Lord and one faith through Jesus Christ and confessing that is politically incorrect. The Hollywood elite have cast Jesus as a misguided mystic. The Washington spin masters have demoted Jesus as irrelevant and secondary to their puppet power. The Harvard professors in the world have reduced Jesus to an historical footnote. And liberal theologians have stripped Jesus of his deity. The majority of all Americans now believe that all people pray to the same God. You know, if you invoke the name or a higher power, most people in America will say, okay, you can have your higher power. But if you make a statement and you say, Jesus Christ is Lord of all, or if you say Jesus is the only hope for our world, if you say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, you will be censored, you will be mocked, you will be ostracized. 12 days after 9-11, the year 2001, the mayor of New York City called a special gathering called a Prayer for America, and it was held in Yankee Stadium. The stage was cluttered with religious leaders. There were Sikhs and Hindus and Muslims and Jews and Catholics and, and Greek Orthodox. The only group of people left off that stage were evangelicals. Mohammed's spokesmen were welcomed in the great stadium. New Agers were well represented. Celebrities crowded the platform, all of which meant to represent unity and diversity, fused in legitimate grief over America's loss. While the mayor stood tall, political agendas were tabled. Bette Midler sang, Wind Beneath My Wings. 
It was basically a funeral or a memorial for those who died on 9-11, yet there was no mention of Jesus Christ. In a service where death had triumphed over thousands, what a twisted irony that the only person who has ever conquered death, which is Jesus, was not welcome at the event. Jesus' name was not mentioned. His comfort was not sought. His presence and his power were not requested. We needed hope. We need hope now. But there is no hope without Jesus Christ. We need comfort. We need comfort now. But there is no comfort without Jesus Christ. Jesus may not be welcomed in our culture today, but Jesus is needed in our culture today. And who will declare him if the church backs off that message? Who will confess him if we who are saved fail to confess him? The church's mantra and the church's calling is to tell the entire world that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the only way that you can be saved, and the only way that I can be saved, and the only way that anyone can be saved, and the only way that anyone can ever enter into the kingdom of God is to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, the Son of the living God. Oh, I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, today that that is the confession of the church. But number two, write this down, is what we call the construction of the church. We have the confession. Now's the construction of the church. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, I know you're familiar with this. He said, I will build my church. Think about those five words. Those five words, I will build my church. He did not say, Peter, you are to build my church. He didn't say, Peter, you are to build your church. He didn't say, Peter, I, Jesus, will build your church. He didn't say that. What did he say to Peter? He said, Peter, I will build my church. It's not your church. It's not my church. It's his church. It's not some denomination's church. It's Jesus's church. He said, I will build my church. And he is building his church. I've learned something about construction. It always takes longer than you think. It always costs more than you think. And most times the contractor, he, he usually does not deliver on his promises. Not so with Jesus. I want you to write this down. Jesus is a master builder and he delivers on all of his promises. He's true to his word. He builds on time. He never walks off the job. He knows every detail. He is the master builder. And it's the passion of his heart is to build a church as a vessel to reach this lost world and to edify those of us that are saved. He wants every single person in the world to be saved. And after you're saved, he wants every single person who's saved to actively participate in a local New Testament church. Oh, let me tell you, there are times I get discouraged. There's times where I think the burden is too great. There's times where I believe I can't do much more. There's not, I feel like there's not much more left in the tank where criticism and just being in the battle seems to be too much. And all of a sudden, I think about those five words, I will build my church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And it's very freeing to know that 
he is in charge of his church, that he's the one that's carrying the load, that he is faithful, that he is all-powerful, that he is all-knowing, and all I need to do is to trust in the master builder. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, that no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 20 says that Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. Whenever you build something, you've got to have a, the first rock that is laid is what's called the cornerstone. And the Bible says that Jesus is the cornerstone. And the Bible says that, that, that we are in him, in Christ, in that cornerstone. The, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says that we, that's you and I, we are the living stones. We're the ones that are stacked on top of that cornerstone that create, the Bible says we are living stones and we're being built into a spiritual house. You know, you don't take a bunch of rocks and just throw them over there in a big pile and it creates a, 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 a house or a, a room all by itself. No, you have to take those rocks, those stepping stones, and you have to stack them and I want you to know that Jesus is the one that's gathering us. Jesus is the one that places us on that wall. Now, something has to hold us all together. And, and, and I, I want you to know that love is what holds us all together. But, but Jesus is the one that gathers us. He's the one that places us where he wants us. And together we create what's called the church or the bride of Jesus Christ, all built on the, the, the cornerstone by the master builder himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can actually see Jesus. Sometimes in my mind, I, I just see Jesus walking around. He's got a hard hat on and he's got his blueprints all rolled up and he's looking at the blueprint for the church and he gazes out over Europe and he's building his church in Europe. And then he, he looks out over Asia and today he's building his church in Asia. And then he surveys the continents of Africa and, and South uh, America and Australia. And he's, he's building his church. And then he comes to America. And I can see Jesus as he looks out over the United States of America. And even today, this very moment, what is he doing? He's building his church. He's constructing his church. He has not forsaken us. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every night here on KKLA. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message tonight has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. 
The greatest story ever told is more than just a cliche. God goes to great lengths to rescue lost and hurting people. That is what the story is all about. The story of the Bible, God's great love affair with humanity. Condensed into 31 accessible chapters, the story sweeps you into the unfolding progression of Bible characters and events from Genesis to Revelation. Using the New International Version, it allows the stories, poems, and teachings of the Bible to read like a novel. The story features a foreword by Max Lucado and Randy Frazee and tells the story of a true God who loves his children, who established for them a way of salvation. Each story in these 31 chapters reveals the God of grace, the God who speaks, the God who acts, the God who listens, the God whose love for his people culminated in his sacrifice of Jesus, his only son, to atone for the sins of humanity. The story, the Bible is one continuing story of God and his people, can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Our toll-free number is 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order your copy of The Story directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Get your copy of The Story, The Bible is One Continuing Story of God and His People, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us every weeknight at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.